Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you very much, everybody. Turn to your neighbour and help me out this morning and say, God has designed you to win. It is an absolute privilege to be here this morning with you. I bring you greetings from your fellow tribe in Devonport, or as we like to call it, Heavenport. I reckon when God first started to think about the whole design and creation, he actually started with Tasmania. Because I'm not sure if you've worked this out yet, but I reckon God's an Australian. You've read the Old Testament, right? He loved a barbecue. <laughs> Badoong. Okay, yeah, that's right. Hey, it is an honour to uh, be here amongst you this morning. It is an honour to be in your church. You have the most amazing pastors in Pastor Sean and Morella and the team that is around them. You guys have raised up such an amazing team, a sensational team. We had the privilege of connecting and hanging out with some of their team last night. Uh, Our prayers at C3 Devonport are with you guys and particularly in your plant of Hewan Valley. We have so appreciated the updates and it has been our uh, effort every week to ensure that in our church that we are praying uh, for the fruit of uh, C3 Hewan Valley. We're believing for good things up there. We're believing for good things here. God is up to something sensational in our state. Could you please honour, give thanks, give attribute to your pastors and the amazing team that you have here at C3 Hobart. I am fully convinced that God wants you to win. Romans 8.28 declares this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I think I'm actually in the wrong verse already. (laughs) That's Jeremiah. But God says this, All things shall work together for good, For them who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Everyone say all. All All things. Everyone say all things. Therefore, in all things, regardless how your circumstances may look in a moment, I can tell you now, the design of God is that He wants to turn them around for you to win. God's plan is for you to win. To win in life, to win in your circumstances, to win in your families, to win in your finances. God has designed you to win. Romans chapter 8 continues on like this in verse 37. No, now... No, in all these things, we are more than. Everyone say more than. We are more than conquerors. Now that blows my brain. Because for starters, a conqueror itself is pretty impressive. That in itself is a pretty impressive image to think that I'm a conqueror. But then to go and say that I am more than a conqueror. You see, a conqueror is not just a moment. A more than a conqueror is a mindset. More than a conqueror is an actual mindset, a stronghold, should I even suggest, that that God wants to develop in you and I, that we might understand that as His children, as His favoured ones, that He has designed you and I to win. In all, everyone say again, all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We can stop just even right there. If you could just grab hold right now, the fact that He loves you, therefore you are designed to win. I am a parent of four beautiful kids, the husband of but one amazing, sensational wife. And I would do anything for her and my kids because I love. I want my kids to win. They play sports, they do drama, some of them are arty. But in whatever they do, I, as a natural human father, want them to win. 
how much more our heavenly Father, who would give the life of his Son, Jesus Christ, not only to demonstrate his love for you and I, but because the design of his love was for you and I to win. So therefore, because of the places that we don't win, our places of failure, our places of sin, our places of not measuring up, that God says, I, in the midst of this, I am going to find a way for you to win. Therefore, in my love, I will make a way through my Son, Jesus Christ, that you may know the power of a life sacrificed for you. Do you want to know the value of your life? The value of your life is the Son of God. Therefore, your value and the value of every individual that you meet is someone precious. Regardless of the choices they may be making, regardless of the circumstances they may have found themselves in, that is not the determination of their value. The determination of their value is that of Jesus Christ. For God so loved. You are designed to win. So one more time, could you help me preach and turn to your neighbour and say, you are designed to win. All right, now I have a question though, because as much as I appreciate, I can stand up here and sound all eloquent and make that sound good, I appreciate that that might not be your current situation. I have been a Christian for over 30 plus years. I have walked with so many varieties of people and I have watched some people do this well and I have watched a lot of people, unfortunately, miss the mark and that this is not their truth. This is not what is running through their mind in the midst of their circumstances. This is not what's been running through their mind even in life. And I appreciate that today in this room, for some of you, that might not be your mindset. That might not be your experience. In fact, your experience is exactly the opposite. So I have a question for you this morning. Are you running the right race? Where's Mr. Stewie Davy Sipkis? Could you come up here for a moment, please? I'm not sure why I'm about to do this to myself, but I'm going to. How many of you had very good, well-meaning parents? <laughs> I told you no upstaging. Oh, no, 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 don't do that yet. Don't do that yet. Go wait. Go wait. Stay over there. Stay over there. You'll ruin it. You're ruining my line. Hold on. Wait. Thank you. He's really well trained. <laughs> well, actually, nearly. You still went to upstage me. I did warn you. No. No. <laughs> right. How many of you had well-meaning parents who sent you to little athletics when you were a child? Okay, for those of you who didn't, I was. Okay, so now I'm about to illustrate a point. Okay, Stuart, come over here. Just so you know, this has been the state of all my life. <laughs> Not just some, but all. <laughs> Do you even see the length of the legs here? <laughs> now, believe it or not, even in little athletics, this was still kind of the ratio. Now, who thinks in a running race, that length of leg might have a slight advantage over mine? 
stay there, don't move. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> You've already done it well enough. <laughs> in little athletics, when you first come along, what they do is they put you in a race with a whole heap of other kids, supposedly about your age group. But again, even in the certain age group that I was in, you have a range of heights, etc. You have a range of abilities. And in that first couple of races that you're in, needless to say, my experience was not, well, I certainly wasn't a more than a conqueror that day. And all things weren't going together for good. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're in races like that, by the time you finish it and you see the extremity between where you're finishing and where they finished, it's demoralizing. It's embarrassing. In fact, to the point where I wasn't even sure I wanted to go back because I felt somewhat hopeless. One of the things that they then do to try and get, help you with that feeling of hopelessness is that they then put you in divisions. You know, Division 1, Division 2, Division 3. I'm not actually sure there was a division low enough for me personally. I was definitely in the last division, and even in the last division, well, at least it didn't, wasn't quite a large difference between that end and this end. At least I was at least a little bit closer, but I was never a runner. But it didn't feel anywhere near as helpless as I, hopeless as I did when I was running against the whole race. So I want to take you a step further than are you running the right race, but are you even running in the right division? We spend so much of, unfortunately, our natural life comparing ourselves to someone else. <laughs> if I was to um, compare my vertical status <laughs> to his, I'm going to be depressed for the rest of my life. That was it. You're off. Yep, go. Everyone gives Stewie a huge round of applause. I would love to say in the Christian faith and the Christian life that we've got rid of this, that we don't compare. I would love to tell you that. But I sometimes think in Christianity we do it worse than others because we do preach standards. We do have a standard. The Word of God, it calls us to a certain level of living. But sometimes we're comparing ourselves in the wrong place. We're putting our mindsets in a level of comparison that we were never meant to be in. We're not only running the wrong race, we're running in the wrong division. And God wants you and I not to live in a lifestyle like that because there's something so precious that gets ruined when we do this to ourselves. Everyone say a hope. 11, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sure that you are aware of this scripture. I'm sure it gets preached here often, particularly in us being in part of the C3 tribe. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, everyone say now. Now, I just better pre-warn you before I get any further in this service. You may notice I get slightly animated. Just a little bit. Yes, that's literally just a little bit. <laughs> so if, I'm sorry, but I will kind of get a little bit loud because I, I love what I'm part of. I have found that this living for Jesus Christ, if you don't yet know Jesus Christ, if you don't yet know who He is or how to give your life to Him, I'm praying that by the end of today that you would agree with so many of us in this room and understand that He has designed you to win. 
But in case you haven't got, I just need to explain to you why I'm a little bit like this. Yes, I'm a little bit wide like this in my personality, but I'm on fire for Jesus Christ. I think He's the greatest way to live a life and who to live for. Now, Paul starts off this line. We, we believe it's Paul in the writing of Hebrews. He says, now, now is the time. Now is the moment. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I liked it. I was a bit of a math major when I was at school. I loved algebra in particular. And I often read the Bible in the context of algebra. Algebra was the whole thing of X plus Y equals Z. Who feels like you're lost already and going like, oh, you, just, you, you said math. I, I didn't hear anything after that. So therefore, I believe there's a little bit of formula as you look through the Word of God. And if you read this statement correctly, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith doesn't come first, everyone. Hope comes first. So therefore, if you don't know how to treat hope appropriately, well then this is what happens next. Proverbs chapter uh, 13 and verse 12 says this. Now hope deferred. Hope that doesn't come to pass within a short period of time. Hope that doesn't seem like it's ever going to come to pass. Hope that just keeps, keeps, it's like, is this thing ever, ever, ever going to happen? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, in the Christian faith, we deal with hope all the time. But not just Christianity. Life itself. The breath, the breath of life. The breath of life. The breath of getting up early in the morning. The breath of rising again is found in hope. Do I have it? Do I have it for today? Do I have a sense of possibilities for today? Do I have a sense of possibilities about who I am and what God wants to do with me? Is there a sense of hope? Therefore, how we treat hope is incredibly, incredibly important. But unfortunately, again, in Christian life, I find we do these things that are so well-meaning. But unfortunately, we set ourselves up and we set others up for failure. I have no shadow of a doubt. Again, I believe with all my heart, God wants you to win. But there are strategies that God has placed throughout His Word over and over and over again that will set you up to win. Let me give you one more example. For all of those, if I'm going to say anything that's going to display how we do this in a way that probably is easy to relate to, I don't know how many and I'm probably going to upset half the room. No, I'm not. You guys don't. I'm sure this won't upset anybody in this room because we're all in for Jesus. Is that right? But how many well-meaning Christians, again, they bring their tithe, whatever else, or don't even do this, but they're certainly doing their tats lotto ticket week in, week out because I'm just waiting for God to bless me. I know He wants to bless me through the tats lotto win. If you want a weekly recipe for disappointment and to discover God's, and to think that God's not good, you just created it. Let me say it again. If you want a recipe for disappointment week after week and to begin to believe that God is not good, you just created it. You and I are not that foolish, are we? You and I are not that foolish, are we? You and I are not that foolish, are we? You and I are not that foolish, are we? So let me show you through a parable that Jesus preaches to try and demonstrate strategy to try and demonstrate a strategy that I believe that set you up to win, not only you to win, but for your church to win and for your church to have a key strategy in taking this city. 
Are you ready for it? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to try and get through this quick. Say to your neighbor, that pastor up there, he wouldn't know the meaning of quick. You heard the story before. He can't run. (laughs) I'm going to very quickly try and summarize this parable. But understanding the telling of this parable, Jesus starts off at the beginning of the chapter before we get to the verses we're about to get to. And he tries to say, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He's trying to demonstrate the kingdom in this parable that we're about to look at that has keys for us on how to go from strength to strength, glory to glory. How to live in the right lane, uh, to run in the right division, so to speak. So it says, a wealthy master calls a handful of his servants together. He says, I'm going on a long journey. To one, he gives five bags of gold. To another, he gives two bags of gold. And to another, he gives one bag of gold. Now, if you're like me, as the Australians that we all all are, I'm sure you've looked at that passage of Scripture and gone, well, that doesn't seem fair. Why Why does one get five, one get two, one get one? What's the deal? I'm glad you asked the question. But just wait, there's still more. So Jesus, so the guy with the five, he goes off and what's he do? Puts it to work. He works hard and he doubles the amount that he has. He goes from five to ten. The guy with the two, as we know in the history of the parable, he goes to work. He works hard too and he doubles his. He goes from two to four. Then we have the guy with the one. It's not such a good story and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But let's dig into this parable again. Jesus trying to demonstrate this is what the kingdom of God is like. Matthew 25 and 14 says this. It will, again, it will be like a man, the kingdom of God, like a man going on a journey who called all his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Are you running in the right division? Or are you comparing your one bag of gold with someone with a five bag of gold? Because if you're comparing yourself with the one bag of gold, with five bag of gold, you're always going to be depressed. Even if you're the guy with the two bag of gold, even though you had the same level of success, in the sense um, it was two to four. But the guy with the five to five, he's got way much more. He gave each according to his ability. Are you, are you a two person who's comparing yourself with a five person? Because if you are, let me help you today. Stop it. Don't do it. You're only going to depress yourself. You're only going to make God look like, believe, start to believe that God's not as good as he is when we live in the valley of comparison. I love, now, again, I, I know to all our online people who are watching this word today, uh, God bless you, and we pray that you're getting just as much out of this as uh, what the people here are today. But I want to speak specifically now to this current climate, this current level of technology that we live in. You see, I love the online world. I am Mr. Gadget Man. Just ask my beautiful wife. She'll tell you, I've got my iPhone. I've got my MacBook. I've, in fact, my birthday present was an Apple Watch. Oh, I'm in heaven. I love technology. I love the online world. But there's one issue with the online world. We are often listening to people who are somewhere else around the world in Christianity. 
We are often listening to people who are on the other side of the world. God bless, again, I love these people in the names that I'm about to mention, and they are doing a sensational job for the Lord. Steve Furtix, the Bill Johnsons, the, the, the Rick Warrens, uh, the like, the, the, the range of names that I could quote to you right now who most of us probably have seen in a podcast or we've seen on a video or we've seen in some way range a thing. But the thing is, when we're listening to them, we're listening to their stories of success. We're listening to their levels of things working for them. Here we are, maybe a two bag of gold person, and we're listening to someone with a thousand bag gold of person. And yet we're looking at their level of success and going like, isn't that supposed to be my level of success? How come it works for them and it doesn't work for me? Because you're not meant to be dealing with what they're doing up there. You're meant to be dealing with what you've got here. Because that's not wrong. Unfortunately, in our Christian life, I see so many people, way too many, who are putting all their time and effort into these words that are so big and so far out there that they've allowed their hope to rise up to that stuff. And then they're seeing it not working. And I've watched their Christian life. I've watched their faces diminish. I've watched the frustration grow in their life, the frustration grow in their hearts. And I go, that's because as much as, again, these preachers, they're phenomenal. God bless them. And they're they're, they're preaching so well to their audiences. But their audience is over there. Their audience is their local church in front of them. This is your home. This is your local. So let me ask you some questions again. Are you listening to the right voice? You see, because the right voice will lead you to deal with what God has given you in front of you. Husbands and wives, how's the temperature of your marriage? (laughs) For those who didn't just hear that, my wife just said, hot, yes! (laughs) That cost me a lot, just so you know. (laughs) Parents, how are you going with your children? Teenagers, how are you going with your purity? Are you comparing yourself to everybody else in the world and how they're doing it? Or are you agreeing with the standard of the Word of God and being faithful and diligent with what God has put in front of you? You see, when we understand, when we begin to get faithful with that which God has first given to us, Well, it's this parable that we get the line from. He or she who is faithful with the... Faithful with the... For those of you who are guests and you're not necessarily used to the word, this is a fairly well-known verse. And therefore, I stress it and I give it space. Because again, the fact that he or she who is faithful with the little things. Big things come as a result of our faithfulness with little things. I can tell you how I can put a smile on your dial. It's not by you continually going after the hope level of this. It's by that you discover the faithfulness of the little things, of the very things that God has said, what's in your hand? 
what's in front of you right now that I'm asking you to be faithful and to be diligent with because that is where you'll find the healing of a heart. That is where you'll find the sense of victory. That's where you'll find the sense of strength to strength, of glory to glory, of the God is good in my life, of the God wants to take me from strength to strength and that God wants me to win. So are you running in the right division? Are you listening to the right voices? Let me finish with this. Oh, actually, I've got two more points. Here we go. The difficulty with our online world is, again, that we are listening to voices and watching what they're doing and thinking that that voice over there should somehow, that their culture and their thing should then be repeated in here. Can I tell you, that's not God's design. God put, the desire of God is, he said, I will build my church. But as we understand throughout the world, that's not just one church. It's local churches right across the world. But a lo- the intention of a local church is that it becomes the local church. And that being part of the local church, that you would hear the heart of your local. I was blown away this, this week when I was preparing this sermon for you. And if I can have the slide up, just I think second last or the last one. The one about heart. Now the next one, it talks about heart. That's the one. Hear the heart of your local church. Can you go to the next one for me, please? Look what's in the word heart. The way that you will be united. Do you know there's a story, Genesis chapter 11? There's a whole group of people. It's the early part of the Bible. And the Bible actually says that they get this common cause together. And they say, let us build a monument to ourselves. Let us build a city that we are not scattered all across the planet. And so these guys get together, this large group of people, and they begin to build. And it says God comes and has a look. He gives attention and he notices what's going on. And as only God can do, he has a discussion amongst himself. You can do that when you're three in one. Hey, guys. Hey, self. I don't know how you do it. I'm not going there. But listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 11 and about this group of people. He says, they are, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. If you want to know how to take this city for Jesus Christ, listen to the heart here the heart of your local. Hear the heart of your local church. Hear the heart of your local pastors. Because as you hear the heart of your local pastors, you see, they're not speaking to this level of hope. They know you. They have set structures up. In fact, you have, I've heard great stories about your pastors. Well, I've been here from other people around your pastors. Your pastors are the most amazing heart-loving people I reckon I have met on planet earth and I know that they love you dearly and therefore their desire is to speak into where you are and where you're going from strength to strength rather than from here to here because from pastors as shepherds we understand to try and do from here to here is not going to help you but to do from here to here you can do that but you will hear that in the heart of the local. Everyone say local. Turn your neighbor and say local. Turn your pastor, turn the person next to you and say, we've got great pastors here at this church. 
turn to someone else and say, we have got an awesome church here. When you hear the heart of the local, when you listen to the heart of your local pastors, I tell you, you will find the value of one because you yourself, you will go from strength to strength. You will discover the fact that you'll find a smile come upon your face because a sense of victory in you, the sense of glory in you, so that when you are around your neighbours, when you are around the randoms in your neighbourhood, that they'll be looking at you and going, what is it about you? Because I see this sense of victory. I see this sense of more than a conqueror on you. How did you do it? How have you got there? And you'll just smile quietly. You'll beam. And you go, you sure you want to know? I love to invite people in to hearing about Jesus. Because I know I want them to listen. I want them to hear. It's not about winning an argument. It's about the fact that they see something in you and go, I want it. They see the heart in you and say that I want it. Maybe today you're in this place and you've not yet given your life to Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity. Could I ask for all eyes closed across this room? We do this for just for a reason. Just because we want to honor this moment for you. And I want to ask you, have you, you have to understand, I believe Jesus Christ, his desire is you, your life, your heart. You see, the guy with the one, one thing, the one talent of gold, he did nothing because he thought God was, he thought the master was mean. He had the wrong perception of the master and it caused him to do nothing. Unfortunately, whether it's life experiences, whether it's offence, but we get conditioned to think that all these things that go wrong in our life, God must not like us. It's not the truth. That is not the truth. God's desire is for you to win. And if you've not yet given your life, your heart, can I tell you it's the most wonderful, wonderful adventure. And if just in a moment, if that's you and you've not yet given your heart, your life, yes, there's a cost. But it's a cost that has so many incredible rewards. It's above and beyond. So if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You'll hear me say the words, thank you, and you'll be able to put it back down. Or maybe you're someone here today and maybe you've gone away from God and you find yourself back in a place like this and I get the wrestle. I get the wrestle. I get the reasons for letting go. But I also get that God is faithful, merciful and kind and calls us back. Can I ask you today, let go of the wrestle. Forgive. Come back to Him. Again, if that's you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Or maybe you're not sure if you're going to heaven or hell if today were to be your last. I believe the Bible gives us a strong sense of assurance, such a strong sense of what He calls us to. And that it gives in us when we say yes to Him, this knowledge that my destiny is eternity, is heaven. And if you've not yet got that and you want to have that by the end of today, can I ask you 
Again, raise your hand. So if that's you, could you raise your hand right now? If today, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you'd like to come back to Him, thank you, sir, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Can I ask you just to keep it up for a moment so that I can see it? If that's you again today and you're saying yes to Jesus Christ, or if you're coming back to Him, or you're just wanting to know, yes, 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 I'm in. Could you again just raise your hand across this building saying, yes, I'm in. I want to give my life, my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm following Him with my all. If that's you again, would you just simply raise your hand in the air? If you want to know that, that God, maybe again, you're that person that says, I'm not sure God is as good as you're saying. I've lived these experiences. I've lived this stuff. I get that. I do get it. But I've lived a life where I've defined what it is to endure, what it is to hold on. And I find that every time I get through something, all things work together for good. I'd love for that to be you. Again, if that's you and you've not yet given your, if today you know you need to come back to Him. Again, would you simply raise your hand in the air, indicating, yes, that's me. Today I'm giving my heart, my life to Him in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you again, sir. I see your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Can we just take a moment to pray? Church, if we could just lift our heads for a moment. Hey, today people are raising their hand to Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord a praise offering in this place this morning? So good. And uh, just very quickly, can we say this prayer together? It's just a prayer that asks Jesus Christ to come into our life and to simply ask for forgiveness. So can we all say this together after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today I ask you, forgive me and my stuff of my sin. And today I ask you to cleanse me, to wash me clean, to come into my life and to help me live for you with all, with all, with all. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. See through Hobart. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.